0: Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the kennel, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Speaking of fundraising opportunities, we're not going to ask you for any money today. But right behind me, on the other side of this fence, right before it drops off, that's where Save the Cowboy's future home is going to go, right behind us. So uh, y'all be in prayer about that, please. It's going to have a great view of the creek down there and a great view of the peak, a great view of God's love and and what he's doing in this community and and, uh, around the country for those that are watching online, listening on the radio stations. And it's just been amazing. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter seven, Matthew chapter seven. We've been talking about struggling. Why why do we struggle? Because there's kind of like this misconception that that whenever you come to to know Jesus, you start riding for the brand, whatever cliche you want to put, give your life to him, whatever, that, that, man, everything's going to get better. Well, yeah, kind of, but it also gets hard. So a lot of Christians, including myself, I find myself struggling all the time and I want to go, why am I struggling? Why am I struggling? So we've been talking about this and and this is like about the fifth week that we've been talking and, you know, think about what Jesus said and in Matthew chapter 7 verse 14, the last part of it, Jesus says this, the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. The way that leads to life is hard, and those that have found it are few. Now, I think that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we got about a hundred people out here, maybe a little more than that. That ain't very many compared to all the people out here in the world. So I thank God that He's brought you here today. And you may not, you you may be here thinking, well, I don't even know why I'm here today. So and so wanted me to come. They've just been saying all this stuff about, say, the cowboy. It's hot. I'm ready to go home. I promise you, you're going to be out of here in about thirty minutes if if, if you. Uh, If you absolutely have to go, it's too hot or or whatever. But hang with us because you're here for a reason. Jesus said the way to life is hard and those that find it are few. There was a guy, his story is told in 2 Kings chapter 5. And in 2 Kings chapter 5, it talks about this guy. He is the general in a Syrian army. I mean, this guy's... Full name is probably like Gluteus Maximus Borealis or, or or something like that, but but the Bible calls him Naaman. I, I reckon that's how you say it. I don't know. It's like N A A M A N. You have got to be somebody special to have two A's in a row, right, Aaron? That was a joke. He didn't even laugh. He probably not even paying attention. But anyway, so this guy's name was Naaman. Okay, he's a he's a he's a general in the Syrian army, and 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 Naaman. Is, is he's got to the point where people bow down to him. I mean, there's only one fellow above him, and that's the king of Syria, and they're a pretty mighty uh, pretty mighty army. They'd been down to Israel, and, and they'd kind of kicked kick their tail a little bit. As a matter of fact, Naaman in his household, he had a little Israelite servant girl that waited on him, basically a slave. Now, Naaman, he had a problem. And we'll we'll go into that problem later. But this problem was kind of consuming him, and it it was a bad problem. And and he had gone to a bunch of people. Nobody could cure him. It was a disease that that he had, and and nobody could do anything about it. Well, this little servant girl, she said, uh, Master, she said, You know what? There's a prophet down there in Israel that can cure you. He's like, Get out of here. She's like, No, I'm serious, man. There's a fella down there in Israel that can, can cure you. So he goes to the king and I guess he asks for some time off or something, he's like, hey man, can you give me some camels and donkeys because I need to make a trip down here. The king is all for it because man, the king and this guy are buddies. You want to be buddy- If you're the king, you want to be buddies with the guy that leads the army. So anyway, he says, you know what? I want you to go down there. I want you to see that. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna write you a letter. I'm gonna introduce you as my pard. This is my best buddy. I'm gonna send you down there with all the money to, to pay these guys off so that they can get you cured. And, and old Naaman's like, man, I appreciate that, boss. So here they go. They get their big caravans and they get their, their chuck wagons. I, I don't know what they had. But anyway, they, they get everything and, and they start going down from Syria, left or right, I don't know, and, and they go to Israel. The first thing they do, now, now the king of Israel, he hears that they're coming. Well, when you see the king of uh, the Syria sending his... Main general, his head honcho, down there with all the banners waving. It's usually not good. So anyway, he's sitting there and he's all, he's all kinds of squirmy and nervous. Well, Naaman comes walking up and he says, Hey, I have a, I have a, a servant girl that said you could cure me. And he's like, What are you talking about? And he goes, I brought you all this gold, all this silver. I brought you everything here so that you could cure me. Well, the king, he wigs out. Man, he just starts a foaming at the mouth. He tears his tunic open. He throws dirt on his head or ashes on his head. He is all kinds of wigged out because he knows that he can't cure him and he thinks he's getting set up. He's like, well, if I can't cure him, then they're going to go back and they're going to come down here and they're going to invade us and they've already been kicking our tail. They're going to do it again. And and life is, is sorry. Well, there's a prophet named Elisha. Okay, now Elisha, took over for Elijah, and Elisha lives in a little old house over there off Main Street, I reckon, or something like that. Well, he hears that Naaman has come to get cured of, of what's been him, And so he tells the king, he's like, Hey, man, why are you getting all wigged out and tearing your cloak and throwing ashes on your head and everything like that? Why don't you send that fella over to me, and I'll show him that there's a prophet in Israel. And I'll show him that there's a God in Israel. So the king is all about this, you know, it it boy's like, hey, man, you need to go over there because if he can't do it, then nobody can do it. And it's ain't my fault and everything. So he says, hey, man, you need to go see this man of God over here off Main Street, over there by Powder River Hats, probably or something. I don't know. Right, Brooke? So anyway, he goes over there and and Elisha knows he's coming, right? This is a general, he's, I'm sure it's like a parade, you know, He's got all of his servants. He's got this gold. He's got this silver. He's got everything. And he walks up. And what does Elisha do? Elisha sends a servant out to talk to him. Elisha don't even come out and pay him no mind. So he get the servant goes out there and he says, uh, "The prophet Elijah. He says that uh, you can you can get healed if you go down there and you dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River." you'll be healed. He's like, wait a minute, I want to talk to you. He said, Elisha don't need to talk to you. He done told you what God told him to tell you. He's like, well, you're, you're offending me. And see, Naaman gets all kinds of mad. He, he went and he's getting provided exactly what he wants. It's just not in the manner that it's happening. How many times does somebody do something or say something to us or don't say something to us and we get offended about it. Because today's message is talking about falling apart. Why do we fall apart? Well, I guarantee you, if if you want to talk about why we struggle, a lot of it has to do with, with things that other people say and do or things happen that are beyond our control. And we just wig out about it. We get offended by it. As a matter of fact, talking about getting offended by people, guy Mike Morrow down in Texas, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of his church right now, but anyway, uh, Crossbrand Cowboy Church out of Tyler, Texas, I think. Anyway, he tells a story that there was this cowboy church, and this cowboy church, man, they they was having tons of problems, people's bickering and big old dogfight in this church. So he was going to go down there and see if he could help. So he brought in all the leadership. People are mad. and they're, He said he sat there and he listened. And this side, of, rawr, 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 this side, and this side. And it kind of all boiled down to the fact that one of the elders in the church walked up to the preacher and said good morning and shook his hand. And he didn't think that the preacher shook his hand like he meant it. And this was going to be a church split. I mean, the church was divided right down the middle and all these things are flowing and and going and people are getting mad because one guy says this and the other guy's like, man, I don't know what you're talking about, but anyway, you shouldn't have been going and saying this and now it's escalated into this big fat deal and it's all stupid because somebody got offended over something this big. And you know what happened? Mike said, that I, he said, I was sitting there and I finally figured out what happened. And right in the middle of all this bickering, I said, let's pray. So everybody kind of stopped. And he took his hat off and he goes, God, we just invite you in here right now because it says we're two or more together. You're here with us. And God, we need one thing from you. We need you to help us quit acting stupid. Amen. And he put his hat on and he left. But isn't that what it was? Stupid. How many times do we get offended because somebody doesn't say, somebody doesn't act, somebody doesn't do exactly what we want done? We lose our temper quick. We start, and we start blowing things out of proportion. And then we wonder, why is my life so difficult? Well, you know what? If everybody would just do what I wanted them to do, the way I wanted them to do it, then everything should be cool. But life doesn't go like that. Naaman has come down here to Israel with this big old fanfare, and he's supposed to go over here to this prophet, and he gets all kinds of mad because the prophet doesn't honor him by walking out, and I'm sure he wanted him to bow down. Elisha could care less. So anyway, Naaman picks up all of his stuff, he's lost his temper, He's like, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm leaving. Let's go back. And I'm sure he was going to tell his best buddy, the king, about how he was slided and all of this. There's going to be a big old war. And once again, a little servant comes in and saves the day. And they're like, uh, excuse me, boss. Can I say something? He's like, what? And this servant says this. He says, you know, if the prophet would have told you to do something big to cure you of your illness, you'd have done it. If he would have said something like, you got to crawl on your hands and knees 150 miles back to Syria and, and, and you'll be cured of your disease, you'd have done it. Or, or some Herculean effort, man, if you'll go kill seven lions with a dagger, you'll be cured. And, and, but he didn't say that. He said something real simple. He said, go to the Jordan River, Dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River, and when you come out, you'll be cured of your disease. He said, how simple is that? We've come all this way. Why not? What's it going to hurt? Now see, the thing here is Naaman's pride was in the way. Because he's this big general. He's, he is somebody important and he did he wanted to be he was hoping that that prophet would give him some impossible task where he could trust in his own strength the strength of his army that he could go accomplish this and then when he went back to syria he could say i did it i did it but you can't go back and and to syria and say hey man you wouldn't believe this i did this great effort i dunked my head seven times in the jordan river now that you have to understand the jordan river Man, we, we, we hear about that all through the Bible, but that was a little old puny, dirty thing, okay? There was nothing special about the Jordan River. It wasn't the Euphrates, these big majestic rivers. As a matter of fact, Jordan River right, uh, runs right into the Dead Sea. It's dirty, it's cloudy. He's like, you know what, can I do that in one of these other rivers that are bigger and, and, and prettier? No, go down to the Jordan River. So, he swallows his pride. And he goes down there, and you know everybody's watching, right? And he walks out there in the Jordan River, and you know he's just, man, what am I doing? What am I doing? And he dunks himself once. Comes back up, man, he's still still sick. He dunks himself again. Comes up a second time. He's still sick. And, and, And you know that about this time he's probably saying, man, what am I doing? What am I doing? Man, I I, I done talked the king into sending all this. Man, he's paid all of this money. And if the king found out that he paid all this money so I could go dunk my head seven times or dunk my whole body seven times into the Jordan River, I'd probably be laughed out of Syria. But he's done it twice now. And by this time, he goes down a third time. And he goes down a fourth time. And he goes down a fifth time. And now he's really wondering, man... I'm getting close to this, and if this don't work, word is going to spread like wildfire, and I'm going to look like a flaming idiot. So he goes down six times still. Ain't no change whatsoever. But on the seventh time, he goes down. He comes back up. He don't feel no different, but he looks down. And he's completely cured. Now what I didn't tell you, it's very key to this message called, Why Do We Fall Apart? It's kind of a play on words because see, Naaman had leprosy. And see, leprosy, it it, it could mean a couple of different things in the Bible, but in its worst case, it was real contagious. You'd be walking along and your leg would fall off and stuff like that. But we fall apart also. We fall apart and there's a cure. Jesus says that this life is hard. Why do we struggle? We struggle because Jesus Himself said the way to life is hard and few find it. It is hard. But most of the time, the reason it's hard is because we make it hard. When Naaman come up out of that seventh time, his skin was completely clean of leprosy like he'd never had it. Leprosy, there was no cure for it. It had to be God. He comes up out of that. He looks. Of course, everybody's astonished. He gets out of there, man. He can't get dressed quick enough. He goes back to Elisha and he says, Hey, man, He said, here's all this gold. Here's all this silver for curing me. And you know what Elisha says? I don't want none of it. Take it back. And he said, Okay, I'll I'll take the gold and silver back, but can I do... One thing, can I get a bunch of dirt from Israel so that I can take it back so that I can have some dirt from the place where I know that there is a true God? What can we learn from the life of Naaman? When you lose your temper or find yourself getting offended by things, you begin thinking that everything is about you and you say, this is the hard part. That's what I want you to do. See, in the very beginning, Elisha is sitting there. Elisha don't even come out. He offends Naaman. And Naaman gets all butt hurt and he goes to losing his temper. And how many times do we sit there and we lose our temper over something that we can't control? It ain't no big deal. But we make it into this huge deal. When Jesus said the way to life is hard, Jesus says, I am humble. Jesus says, follow me, my yoke is light. The way to life is hard because it goes, we have to battle ourselves every single day. I I would be willing to bet that most people here, either today already or yesterday, you have gotten plum aggravated about something. About something that somebody said. Something that somebody did. But you know what? All of this is why life following Christ is hard. Because... All the world, you know what the world does? Anytime something doesn't go their way, man, they just mouth off, they fly off the handle, go to beating everybody up and saying cuss words and throwing stuff. That's easy, ain't it? Anybody can do that. But that's not what Jesus says, dude. He says, man, just let it go. Don't worry about it. So how do we do that? Because, you know what, just sitting here memorizing Bible verses, that's not going to do anything. So I'm going to give you a couple of tools to go home with so that you will know how to apply what the Bible says to your life. Not just so you can say, hey man, I go to this this ministry that save the cowboys out there. It's hot and there's bugs around there's weeds and all this. and, And man, we learned a Bible verse. I don't want that. I want you to know what the Bible says, and I want you to go home and be able to use it. The next time you find yourself flying off the handle, when something doesn't go your way, when somebody says something that just aggravates the tar out of you, whatever happens, the second you feel yourself losing your temper, kind of like Naaman did, what I want you to do is say, this is the hard part. And then you can remember that Jesus is in control of all of this. It doesn't matter what is happening. Don't worry about what somebody else says. It shouldn't matter. Just say to yourself, this is the hard part that Jesus was talking about because even last week we talked about we have to die to self. You know what? Christianity is not about you and what you do. It's about Jesus and what He did. And He came so that we could have a life of peace. And the devil's going to use other things to rob you of that. And things are going to get thrown in your way. And and it's going to make you mad and everything. But when that happens, when you find yourself losing your temper, I want you to tell yourself, this is the hard part. This is the hard part. And then you remember what happened to Naaman. When when Elisha didn't even come out to see him and he got got all kinds of messed up. See, God's got a plan for us. He wants to cure us of falling apart he wants to cure us of our leprosy and that's the second thing that i was going to tell you because a lot of times it may not be you falling apart it may be your significant other falling apart they may you know do something i mean it 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 happens all the time christy watches me fall apart all the time and this is going to be kind of a game that you can play And if you're on the receiving end of it, you're not going to like it very much, but the good news is you'll probably get to turn the tables. See, the next time you find somebody, one of your buddies, your wife, your husband, your significant other, whatever, the next time you see them falling apart, you can look at them and you can say, you're getting leprosy. You're falling apart. You're falling apart. And then you can get back to knowing what is important. Or you could go jump in a creek and dunk yourself seven times, and if that doesn't take your mind off things, I don't know what will. Or you could get your little servant girl and listen to them. That probably won't work either. Why do we fall apart? Jesus Himself said, the road to life is hard. It is. I know that every one of y'all are struggling. You know what that thing is right now. You know that it's eating you up. You know that you're walking around, you're smiling. And when people ask you if you're doing okay, you say yes, but you're not. You feel like your life is falling apart and and you're following Christ, but you you don't know why that, that when you started following Christ, that you started struggling so much. Don't be don't be like Naaman. Actually be like Naaman. But don't lose your temper. Don't, well, lose your temper. That's what I'm going to say now. Lose your temper, but not that way, the other way. Get rid of your temper. Get rid of your pride. Because see, the pride thing, we all want to be able to say, look at what I did. Look at what I did. Because you know what God's going to ask most of you to do? He's going to ask you, hey, man, go home. Men, be leaders in your family. Love your wife so much that it... Makes her sick. Do whatever you have to do. Show your wife how much you love them. Don't take any time for yourself. Give it all to your kiddos. Put your pride behind you. Because see, everybody wants that great ministry. I want to do great things for God. I want to do great things for God. But a lot of times what He's going to ask us to do is go dunk ourselves in a river seven times. Ain't, ain't going to seem like no big deal, but that'll change your life whenever you just put your pride behind you and you just walk off and you say, you know what? I'll do whatever God asked me to do. Well, what He's asking you to do is put that pride behind you. He's asking you to put that temper of yours in check. And if you find yourself losing your temper, all you've got to say is this is that hard part that Jesus was talking about. This is that hard part of dying to self, to knowing that it ain't about us. Now, I know a lot of you are thinking, well, you know, Jesus, He 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 overthrew the money changers and, and all of that, and He got all kinds of mad and made them whip and chase people out. Well, if you're Jesus, you can do that. If you're not, you just control your mouth and control your tongue. Okay? That's pretty simple. You find yourself struggling, and you find yourself losing your temper. You find yourself getting your pride, stumbling all over your pride and struggling. Just tell yourself, this is the hard part that Jesus was talking about. And if you're around somebody that's a believer and you see them struggling, just look at them and say, man, this is your leprosy. Get rid of it. How do you get rid of it? By dying to self. By knowing that that that's not giving a good message of Christ. Whenever we can be able to take things and, and just say, you know what, God? You handle that. Because if I handle it, I'm going to lose my temper. My pride's getting in the way. I know my pride gets in the way all the time. I started writing, you know, most of you know I, I write books and I've got like five books out now and, and all of this stuff. And people steal stuff all the time from me. I saw American Cowboy magazine had stolen one of my quotes. And I came this close to getting mad and then I thought, who gave it to me? I guess I stole it from God. I used it. So who am I to think that it's mine since God gave it to me? He said... You freely got, freely give. So I don't even care anymore. It creeps up every now and then. And I know that stuff's creeping up on y'all. I know that your pride, you think that somebody doesn't treat you the way that you want to be treated. And I know that that people don't treat you the way you want to, and you want to get mad, and you want to get even, and you want to throw, throw something and lose your temper. Well, lose your temper, but lose it in a good way. Get rid of it. Get rid of your temper. Get rid of your pride. Lose that leprosy because that leprosy is the thing inside of us called sin that's keeping us from having that relationship with God. Get rid of it. Lose it. And find that narrow trail that Jesus is talking about. And it's double hard. You can go with the world, just travel down that trail, just lose your temper, get mad, cuss people out. You can go that way if you want to. God gives you that choice. Or you can man up. And turn down that other trail, that trail that's hard. That trail where you watch what you say and you watch what you do. And you don't let your pride get in the way. You put other people before you. That's the trail of life. And I pray that every single one of you is tough enough to find it. Let's go to God in prayer. Dad, I thank you for a beautiful day of learning how to ride for you. God, this trail is hard and only a few find it. But I pray today that the scales will fall from people's eyes and they can see you and hear you calling them to saddle up today. If they walk away from your call, it gets easier and easier to follow that trail that's wide and wrong. Let them give up their selfish ways and give their lives to you. Only then will they find what they've been searching for. Amen.